This is Indianapolis coach, Reggie Wayne, and you're listening to the For the Culture podcast. This is the For the Culture podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. The Colts have had a big offseason on the defensive side of the football, adding DeForest Buckner, Xavier Rhodes, drafting Julian Blackman, and we're going to get into all that and more as the Colts defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, joins us on the For the Culture podcast. Coach, good morning and welcome to the show. Uh, Luke, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on here. We're excited to have you, Coach. Uh, we thank you for taking time out of your day to be with us. Let's start off with the biggest addition on the defensive side of the football for the Colts this offseason, and that was the trade to San Francisco for the all-pro defensive tackle, DeForest Buckner. Were you at all involved in the process trading for Buckner back in March? Well, you know, as, as we know that, you know, Chris does um, all the personnel moves and in, in his, his department with, you know, Ed Dodds and Kevin and all those guys there that do a great job. And he, he obviously visited with Frank uh, initially. And then from there, you know, started to involve uh, everybody else in the conversation. And, uh, you know, when Frank and I discussed it, uh, we started looking at the tape. And uh, we, we just were so pleasantly surprised of, of number one, is just the playmaking ability um, that he has and, and what he's had in the past and his ability to play at a high rate and really excel on the field. So, we, we were excited to get him, and we certainly are excited to have him here as, uh, with the Colts. No question. You don't have to look much further than the Super Bowl because he wrecked that game against the Kansas City Chiefs. What was your reaction when the Colts finalized the deal and we officially landed Buckner in the trade with San Francisco? Yeah, so what, once they brought the, brought it to my attention, I showed it to our, our new defensive line coach, uh, Brian Baker and Matt Raish, who's also helping on the defensive line. And, man, they were so excited. They're like, really? We get a chance to potentially get that guy? I'm like, yeah, that's what that's what we're talking about right now. So, And then when the deal finally came through, man, they were so elated that uh, that, that it did happen and uh, so excited to have him a part of our defensive line and really uh, helping the rest of those guys lead that group, you know, through his work habits, you know, his practice habits and, and everything he, he brings to the table in terms of leadership. Yeah, and speaking of practice habits, what do you guys expect for those battles in the trenches to be like in training camp between two all pros in Quentin Nelson and DeForest Buckner? Well, I think they're going to be good. They'll be they'll be really intense, but our guys are smart. You know, they're smart at how they go against each other. You know, they they're they, they want to make sure we're doing getting the good work and and getting after you know you know really good. But you know, not it won't totally be game speed. You know, in intensity and all that, it'll it'll be close to that. But we got to really be smart in protecting each other too. But there'll be some good battles in there. Chris Ballard said at the end of the regular season in January that the three tech drives this defense. What makes DeForest Buckner such a special player, and what will he bring to the table defensively? Yeah, I just think when you talk about that position, you know, the three technique, it it forces a double team. You know, you can't single either in in pass protection or in the run game. So it's important that that guy occupies, you know, at least two guys and really disrupts, you know, the line of scrimmage. And that's what he does. And he's done that at a high level and and we're excited to have him there, but it it makes everything easier, you know, for the linebackers, you know, they, they play off of him and play off of his penetration. And then also the coverage part of it, you know, we don't have to cover as long when you have a really good rush, the ball gets pumped out, the quarterback gets sped up. So, you know, we certainly see the benefit of having a, a, a great three technique. With Buckner's ability to draw a double team, what should we expect out of Darius Leonard this season? He'll have a chance to roam free a little bit more often with an elite three-tech in front of him. Could we expect even more production out of Darius Leonard? 
No, I, I would expect that, you know, Darius is going to take, you know, one game at a time and he's produced at a high level, um, you know, historic rates at times. And I just think he's going to be himself and do his thing. You know, he's just going to keep improving, keep improving his knowledge and keep improving his play. And that's what he's going to do this year. Yep. And what's it been like for you to coach Darius Leonard breaking into the league? You got him as a rookie in 2018. And like you said, he's been off to an historic start in his NFL career. What's it been like to coach Darius Leonard? Yeah, just uh, it's been it's been awesome to watch him learn, you know, and he's he's been like a sponge. Uh, he's a guy that loves to soak in the information and get better every single day. You know, the what the, the best way to lead is really not through necessarily what you're saying, it's it's what you're doing and that's what he's done. He he's he puts it on the practice field with his work habits and, and the way he's done it day in and day out. So we're excited about that. Yep, and it's been awesome to watch as fans as well watching Darius Leonard emerge into a superstar through the first two seasons of his career. As we're talking to the Colts defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, here on the For the Culture podcast as coach is going into his third year with the organization. And another key addition on the defensive side of the football coach, Xavier Rhodes coming over from the Minnesota Vikings, signing a one-year deal. What does Rhodes bring to the cornerback room that we might not have had last season? Hey, Luke, did I, did I sense a little bit of an accent there? Are you from Minnesota? No, I do have an accent, but I'm actually from Jersey, believe it or not. Oh, Jersey. Okay, I was just making sure. Just making <laughs> sure. No, but uh, Zave is, uh, has been really uh, – you know, we had a chance to talk to him once the free agency opened up, you know, in terms of us recruiting him uh, when we were allowed to. And that was a pretty easy fit for us, you know, because I talked to him, Jonathan talked to him, Alan talked to him because they have some history with him. And there was a, a real comfort level there from the beginning of us knowing him as coach, player, player, coach. And we just got, you know, a chance to really uh, dive in there of what really he wants to get from this season, you know, and what he wants his goals are and, and our goals and what we want him to, to do and how we want him to play. And, and it was, a, it was, a, it was just a great conversation, really good conversation, you know, between all of us and moving forward, you know, he ended up signing with us. And, and again, he's got something that he's, he's ready to do and, He's, he's, you know, working himself in shape and getting his stamina right and, and getting in here uh, to a camp when we do start. Uh, we'll be working with him, and we'll see where it goes from there. Coach, from an analytical standpoint, Xavier Rhodes had a down season last year, but was his tape in zone coverage better than his tape man-to-man, and did that at all play a role in the decision to sign him to that one-year contract? Yeah, I, when you when you're looking at a free agent, you know a lot of times we, you'll look at what he's done last, but you also look at his body of work and what he's done in the past. You know, and and for him, he's got a, a strong body of work. You know, in terms of playmaking ability, of playing the position at a high level at the outside corner. So we really looked at that as well. And and what we thought was, and what we know to be true is that that hey, he's got the potential to really have a really solid year for us, and and that's what we're looking for. At 29 now, going on 30 for Xavier, can you see him getting back to that 2016 form? You talked about the peak of his career. He was an all-pro back in 2016. We're about three, four years removed from that point, but he's still young, 29. He'll be 30 week one of the 2020 season. Can you see him getting back to the point he was at in 2016 this upcoming season with the Colts? I think that's all predicated on work patterns. He's going he's gonna to work to get to that point, and he knows that. First of all, getting in the best shape of his life. And then number two is learning our system, learning our techniques and fundamentals, which will be great because um, he, he knows those because we're uh, very similar in terms of the style which we play. 
and having the, the comfort level with Jonathan Gannon back there, I think it's going to be an easy transition for him. And, and if all those things line up, he has a chance to have his best year of his career. We're talking with the Colts defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, here on the For the Culture podcast. And, Coach, going into the draft, you knew it was most likely going to be an offensive-focused draft rather than a defensive-focused draft, at least with the early picks. But you come away with a couple of really solid players on the defensive side of the football, including in the third round, Julian Blackman, who probably fell a little bit due to that ACL injury in the Pac-12 championship. So how are you feeling coming out of the draft? And what impressed you the most about Julian Blackman's ability to convert from corner to safety in his senior season? Well, I, I, my first comment about the draft is that I think that uh, Chris Ballard and Dodds, Ed Dodds, and, and, and that group did an outstanding job. The, the amount of work those guys put in uh, to selecting these players, and they collaborate with the coaches and everybody in the building. Um, it's just an outstanding the way it's organized and the way it's done is just a second to none. And then answering your question about Julian Blackman, I will say this that we look at each individual player and we look at his production in terms of his takeaways and he's had nine career interceptions in college and he has the ability to punch and rake the football out and he's an extraordinary athlete so that's the number one thing we look at because that's what we want on our defensive side Uh, we want to have the ability to be ball hawk and ball and guys that make plays on the football so um, that's the first thing that came to light the second thing that came to light for us is that his, his quickness, his instincts, and strike. And that's – I keep saying those words, but that's really what our foundation of our of our defense is. And, and he has all three of those things. And that goes way back to Coach Dungy. Coach Dungy is the, the, is the guy that coined those three terms, you know, and, and what we want to uh, get in our defensive players. And that's the things that really stand out for Julian Blackman. And then once we did get him, and, and prior to getting him, we also did our research, and we know a lot of the coaches there, uh, one of them being the, the offensive coordinator who played for me, um, not necessarily me per se, but I was on the staff at Toledo, and he's the OC there at Utah. And he just raved about him in terms of how he works, of the leader he is, of the kind of young man he is, his team ability, and everything about Julian. So. Um, it was a green light for us uh, from the get-go. Yeah, and you hear a lot of those words, leadership, throughout this roster about multiple different players and Chris Ballard and Ed Dodds and all those guys have put such a great emphasis on leadership, who was a captain in high school, who was a captain on college, and going through and really vetting these guys the way they do. And it was great for us as fans to be able to watch that with the next pick series. It was an incredible job by Ursay and Ballard and everybody just inviting the cameras in and letting them put that series together. And to watch the way you guys go about it on the other side as coaches and scouts and how much communication there is from the top down. And I've talked to other people from other organizations and they say not every organization is like this. You've been to multiple different organizations throughout the course of your coaching career. What makes this organization different and why is the communication so good within the Colts organization well it starts up top you know with the ursa family number one and then with frank you know and then chris in collaboration with the rest of the coaching staff and the vision that those those guys give you know frank and chris give to our whole organization is is clear so it starts with that and we stand on those on that solid foundation right there and then from there it 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 becomes a simplistic way of doing things because everything is out in the open and it's it's just transparent and communication is transparent and then from there 
it just falls in line. So if there needs to be a, a if we have to adjust, adapt, or overcome obstacles or adversities through the course of that, whatever it may be, you know, if we're game planning or working through the draft or whatever it might be, we simply look each other in the eye and we understand what the what the vision is because of the, the way it's been set, and we work forward to get to that to a positive point to where a point we all feel good about, and then we start and making decisions from there. So. Um, it, like I said, it all starts with the Ursay family, uh, with Jim, and then it moves down from there um, with Frank and Chris, and then kind of just goes right through the whole organization. Wow. Do you think that the leadership from the top down, going back to when you got hired with the entire Josh McDaniels fiasco, do you think that the leadership from the top down with Ursay, Ballard, then bringing in Reich made that entire process more seamless and made it an easier transition for everybody involved? Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head, Luke. I, I really think that that's exactly what happened. And you're talking about men of character, mm-hmm. um, men that had vision for where they want the organization to go. And it was clear from there that uh, this uh, organization was in great hands with those three guys. Wow, Coach, I don't want to get too far off track, but after Chris Ballard let you know you are safe, you're still our defensive coordinator, just because whatever happened happened with the guy up in New England, you're still our guy, you're still our defensive coordinator in 2018, and then he goes out and hires Frank Reich. What was your first conversation with Frank Reich like when he first gave you a call back in 2018? Well, you know, I will say this, that, that Frank is, has been an outstanding, uh, you know, colleague of mine and also my head coach uh, here at the, at the Colts, you know, in terms of bouncing ideas off of him and just being, just uh, communicating back and forth to each other, what we want this defense to look like and make no mistake about it. This is Frank's defense. You know, it's Frank's offense. This is Frank's football team. And we understand that. And we are going to the vision that he shows for us and, he's the outstanding job of communicating with me through the quarterback size. Cause he's had so many snaps um, as a quarterback in this league and helping us to disguise, adjust and, and change our defense around a little bit, you know, just to make it harder for the offense to operate. And uh, he's been, has great insight that way. And we have weekly meetings about that. And, and he's been great from the beginning. And I just want to thank him um, for trusting in me to be able to help uh, with this football team. Yeah, that's phenomenal. As we're talking to the Colts defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, here on the For the Culture podcast. Coach, last week the Colts made a difficult decision not exercising the fifth-year option on free safety Malik Hooker. I know that was a decision made by Chris Ballard and like the DeForest Buckner trade. That's in his wheelhouse. But from your position as a defensive coordinator, what went into that decision throughout the organization to not exercise the fifth-year option for Malik Hooker? Yeah, I think it's just what, what Chris and Frank said, and I'm just going to just kind of say what they said. That, you know, they, they do what's best. Uh, they feel that's best for the organization and, and moving forward. So um, they uh, we make that decision together collectively as a group, and the organization feel that that's the best uh, thing for the organization right now. Uh, do we still believe in Malik Hooker? Yes. Do we know he can have a great season? Yes. And then we'll, we'll move from there, and we'll all get together and decide what, what our situation is from there. But we certainly believe in him. We know he's going to have a great year, and he showed that last year. You know, he, he had an opportunity last year to work and work really hard at it, and he did. And he worked himself, and he had really good work habits and practice, and it started to show in the game. And what we're looking for now is just more consistency of playmaking ability and have it show game in and game out 
and that's and that's what we're looking for from Malik, and we expect that from him this year. Yeah, exactly. And we saw it in flashes last year with Hooker, the one-hand interception against the Chargers at the end of the game in the back of the end zone, picking off that pass. Arg- I mean, that pick was second to none. That was one of the top interceptions across the league last season. So he's shown that range in flashes. It just needs to be a little bit more consistent. And I expect a big year out of him. And I think a lot of Colt fans and media are talking about him almost as if he's already gone. He's still a part of this team. He's still going to play a big role in your defense in 2020. So just because we did not exercise that fifth-year option in 2021 doesn't mean he won't play a major role in 2020. And, Coach, do you think that the addition of Julian Blackman in the third round had any effect on the decision not to exercise the fifth-year option on Malik Hooker in 2021? Uh, No, I don't necessarily think that. I think we're always looking to acquire uh, good football players and, you know, when we're drafting guys, I think that's what we look for. We look for guys that, that are going to fill that role, you know, in terms of being good football players that can help our team win football games. And I think that's what we what we did this year. I don't think I had any decision uh, based one way or the other. I just think that, you know, we're going to be relying on Malik Hooker this year, and he's going to have a really good season, and, and that, that's our expectation. You brought up Tony Dungy and some of his philosophies and what he's brought and implemented to the game. When you look back at the 06 Super Bowl championship, we had two safeties that were able to come up and able to hit and able to tackle in Antoine Buffet and Bob Sanders. With Julian Blackman's ability to tackle, how does he fit this defense and what will he bring to the table in terms of his ability to tackle as a free safety? No, I think that's a that's a great point that you that you make there. You have playmakers at all levels, you know, and if you look at that defense you know, there was playmakers at the front level, there was playmakers at the second level, and then the back level. So um, we always try to acquire guys that do that. And certainly the number one skill of every defensive player is tackling and taking the ball away. So there's two two T's there that we always stress to our guys is that tackling and takeaways are the two number one skills that we have as a defensive unit. And that's what we're looking for in the back end, you know, because those eliminate big plays. And when you do that, it makes it hard for the offense to score. And when you have that safety level, that's certainly a big uh, attribute of those safeties that they need to have. We're talking with the Colts defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, here on the For the Culture podcast. Coach now going into the summertime with training camp and the preseason. Hopefully everything goes according to plan. There's not too many restrictions with the virus and we could get back to normal everyday life. But going into the summer now, how are you feeling about this overall roster on paper? Yeah, I would say that I feel, you feel pretty good about it. You know, let's just get them on the grass and let's start playing some ball. You know, so we got to really, you know, adjust and adapt uh, to the situation we're in. But once we get them on the grass, we're not sure exactly what the timetable is going to be. So we have to make sure that we're doing a good job of laying the foundation right now in these, you know, these meetings, these video conference calls that we're having with these guys. We got to make sure we're laying the foundation of what our defense is going to look like. And we're fortunate because. You know, we have had a lot of guys, Darius Leonards, um, you know, uh, Anthony Walker, Malik Hooker, Grover Stewart, um, all the guys we signed the, the next year, the second year, all the, you know, those six guys we signed that had, had a big time, you know, big playing um, force, you know, like Rocky Sin, Bobby Okariki, Ben Banigou, all those guys that play for us, Marvell Tell. So we have some experience back there in throughout our whole defense and then acquiring guys that understand the defense as well, like, like a DeForest Buckner and then the second year for Justin Houston. So we have some experience in there and we have to rely on that experience. You know, they've, they've been through the system before they've played in the system 
and we've played it a couple years. So we're actually are fortunate that we have guys that have that experience as be it just picture if this was our first year in mm-hmm. 2018, this happened, this would be a totally different situation. So uh, we, we are certainly fortunate there, but now we have to rely on that experience. No doubt about it. And I was saying this about the offensive side of the football with the addition of Philip Rivers, having played with Nick Sirianni and Frank Reich in San Diego before, I think is going to be huge if there are any limitations on training camp if training camp gets cut short or starts late or there's rules and regulations keeping you guys apart during the training camp time if there's no preseason because he's already played in this offense before and you look at a lot of quarterbacks who are on the move this offseason having to learn new offenses and then a lot of rookie quarterbacks as well who will have to learn the entire NFL game and new offenses so I think we're definitely ahead of the curve there in terms of a quarterback joining a new team in comparison to a couple other teams who are getting a quarterback who's never played in that system before. So I think that'll definitely be a positive. And then one of the main criticisms you've received over the past two seasons from local media, we won't get into naming names, but it's been that sometimes the defense gets a little bit too bland. And I always rush to your defense and say, we have to take that with a grain of salt because this defense is so young. And now we're finally getting a little bit more of that veteran presence. And the guys who were rookies back in 2018 are going into their third year. So I always defended you and your defense by saying, this defense is so young. You could only give so much to a 22, 23, 24-year-old at a time to absorb as they're just breaking into the league. Now you have a level of comfort, a level of experience, and a level of veteran leadership on this defense. I think now going into this year, you'll be able to get a little bit more creative with this defense. But to the people who said that the defense was a little bit bland the last couple of years, I think that it really had more so to do with the youth of this team and you not wanting to shove too much down a 22, 23, 24-year-old's throat too early. Would you agree with that statement? Uh, yeah, I mean, to some degree, I would. You know, it's you know every team and every unit that you have. So that, you know, if you look at the whole team, this team is different than last year's team, and last year's team was different than the team before. So every single year in the NFL, I think you have to look and see what you have on your unit. You know, if you're a coordinator or if you're a head coach, you have to look and see where you need to go to make this team successful and what the roles of each individual coach and each individual player are for your team to be successful. You know, so if you're, you have a good a set of running backs or a good offensive line or, or you don't, or you have a, a good, a good receivers and a good quarterback. So how you move the ball and how you defend football is all based on who you have. And that changes every single year. So I think as a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator and as a head coach, you have to have the ability to adjust and adapt and overcome some obstacles to be able to see how you're going to be successful on Sundays. And I think that's ever changing. That changes not only year to year, it changes week to week at times based on injury because your rosters are so small and you have to be able to adjust. So, um, and really based on who you're playing sometimes, you know, sometimes you're playing a certain quarterback where you might have some complexities in there based on who you're playing because you need to have those or you're playing a different unit that, hey, maybe you don't need to have all those complexities. So you're always constantly looking at that, what gives you the best foundation for that particular week to be successful. So to answer your question, yes, I, yes, I agree with that, but I think there's uh, you know, uh, just an elaboration that needs to, you got to elaborate on that a little bit more. So, mm-hmm. 
And last one for you, Coach, before we let you go. You talked about the experience level of this defense and how every year it's a new team. Every year it's a new group of guys. We made some big key additions like adding DeForest Buckner in the trade with the San Francisco 49ers. Would you say right now that this is the most talented defense you've coached since arriving in Indianapolis back in 2018? Yes, I would say that, you know, because in 2018 we were switching from a 3-4, so we had mm-hmm. some guys that were in there and adjusting. And then last year we had, you know, had uh, obviously a bunch of rookies play a lot of time for us. And then this year with the addition of a, of, the, of a few guys that we've been able to acquire, you know, this is definitely year three of, of, of the maturation of that system. And I do see it as, as the most important thing for us is to take this talent that we have and then bring them together and how we come together as a unit is going to be the most important thing. And, how, and we're going to have to do that quickly, you know, through these video meetings, like I said, and also through the short time of practice that we're going to have. We're going to have to bring them together and do it together as coaches and players, players and coaches. That's all we got for you, Coach. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on the For the Culture podcast, spending some time with us this morning. It's going to be a fun season. I can't wait to watch you guys get after it in September and I know the phone will be ringing in the winter lining up opportunities for you to interview for head coaching jobs in 2021 and it'll be well deserved well Luke I appreciate your time and thanks a lot I appreciate it that was the Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus joining us right here on the For the Culture podcast